Last week, I preached about the strength and the power that comes through weakness and through vulnerability. That gospel lesson speaks of Jesus sending out his disciples without food or money or a change of clothes. The disciples are to share the gospel and to cast out demons and to heal the sick, but they will also need to rely on others to survive. Those disciples will need to rely on the kindness of those they meet. And I believe that one of the reasons why Jesus sends the disciples out in this way is to bring them into community and solidarity with those they serve as they bear witness to the kingdom of God. Indeed, the kingdom of God looks like a community of mutuality and sharing where gifts are shared for the well-being and benefit of all. So now this week's gospel lesson places us in opposition to the vision of God's kingdom that the disciples are meant to witness to and embody. Here, this week, we see in Herod's court the way of domination that stands in stark contrast to the way of love that Jesus offers. And one of the reasons why I think Mark describes John the Baptist's death here is to give us this contrast. For Mark is treating us to a flashback. It's the only flashback in the whole of his gospel. Mark speaks of Jesus sending out the disciples, but then turns our attention back in time to the very beginning of the gospel in order to tell us of Herod's court and John the Baptist's death. Indeed, it is only after John's arrest that Jesus begins his own ministry. So we get this, this flashback because Jesus and his disciples are starting to cause a stir. People are starting to know who Jesus is, and so naturally folks are starting to wonder just who Jesus is and what this ministry of his represents. And everyone has an idea, right? And so too does the local Roman-backed ruler Herod Antipas. Now, as as a side note, this Herod, Herod Antipas, is one of the many sons of Herod the Great, the one who in the Gospel of Matthew murdered children in the hopes of killing the infant Jesus. In today's gospel lesson, this Herod is not actually a king, but a, but a tetrarch, a governor of sorts, who rules over the occupied province of Galilee on behalf of the Romans. So in any case, this Herod is convinced that Jesus is actually John raised from the dead, as if John had come to haunt Herod from the dead because he had John unjustly executed. And let's face it, Herod has good reason to have a troubled conscience, doesn't he? Because the events surrounding John's death are as pathetic 
as they are obscene. As we've heard, Herod is throwing himself a birthday party, and all of the powerful men in Galilee are present. And at some point, Herod's stepdaughter, who is also his niece, begins to dance for the entertainment of the crowd. And Herod is so enamored by the dance that he promises her anything, up to half his kingdom. The daughter speaks to her mother, and the mother tells the daughter to ask for John the Baptist's head. Herod feels trapped, and so, we are told, begrudgingly has John executed. John's head is brought on a platter, and John's disciples come and steal away John's body for burying. Now, this account of John's death is not the only ancient account that we have on record. The Jewish historian Josephus, writing around the same time as the Gospel of Mark, writes that Herod had John killed for inciting insurrection, which is to say that Herod killed John for being a revolutionary. When modern scholars look at these two stories, they've often assumed that Josephus' account is probably the more historically accurate account. And yet, if Mark's account is not the most historically accurate, it is, in its own way, a deeply true account. And what I mean is, is that the Gospel of Mark gives us a profoundly revealing glimpse into the nature of the way of domination, putting it in contrast to Jesus and the kingdom of God and the nature of God's way of power. For from one perspective, it appears that Herod has tremendous power, doesn't it? After all, he is a ruler with the power to arrest his enemies. And he has the means and capacity to throw himself an enormous birthday party with all of the important people of his community in attendance. Moreover, Herod's powerful enough that even as a Jew, he has the capacity to flaunt Jewish law and marry his brother's wife, trusting that everyone, especially the religious authorities, will look the other way and not criticize him. He's also powerful enough to promise to give away up to half his kingdom on a whim. And finally, he's powerful enough to have another person executed, put to death on that very same whim in order to gratify his ego. Herod, it would appear, has a tremendous amount of power. And in contrast, it would appear that John the Baptist simply does not. For John has no power to keep himself from getting arrested, no power to secure his release, no power to escape the machinations of the court, and no power to keep himself alive when the order of execution comes down. It would appear that Herod has power and John does not. But I would argue that Mark gives us this account 
of John the Baptist's death here in the span of his gospel to reveal just how much of Herod's power is actually an illusion. For Herod is a man trapped. Herod is a man enslaved. He is enslaved by his role and enslaved by his desires. For instance, he must do what he can to preserve his rule from threat. And so he has to, has to have John arrested for criticizing him. Herod also must throw himself an elaborate birthday party in order to impress the influential people of his community. He is also enslaved to his desires so much that he must make insane offers like giving away half of his kingdom. And so, too, he must, must honor the request for John's life despite his own wishes because he cannot risk losing face and cannot risk looking weak. In this way, Again and again through this story, we see that Herod is a man controlled. He is not free to be vulnerable. He is not free to love. He is not free for justice. He is not free for mercy. He is far, far from God and therefore is powerless in so many ways. And the power that he does have is as as pathetic and obscene as the events described in the gospel. Herod is a man already defeated. And in contrast... In contrast, John is free. John has power that comes from God. For John is powerful enough to assume the role of prophet and bear witness to the truth, come what may. John has the power which comes from being faithful to God's call, despite the arrest and despite the imprisonment. No one can take that from him. And even when his life is taken, John's power remains, for he bears witness even in his death. Our gospel lesson invites us to see that the events described here are not isolated, but a part of the pattern of this world. This lesson asks us to look at our world and to see in it the way of domination, the way that is so far from the way of love. It challenges us to see the world for what it is and to see how much of what we, what the world calls power is an illusion. And in contrast, we're also invited to look at how God works in the world through the way of love and not the way of domination. As the psalm reminded us this morning, 
God is speaking peace to humanity, inviting us to turn our hearts to God. And to this end, God raises up prophets to bear witness to this peace, to this way of justice and this way of righteousness. And ultimately, God gives us God's own word of peace in Jesus, who calls on us to follow the way of love that Jesus embodies. This way of love is the way of true power, and it cannot be conquered. For come what may, God's love reigns. Nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God, not even the power of death. For in the resurrection of Christ, God has defeated death and has stripped it of its power. And in this way, John's witness is a triumph, even though it looks like defeat. For the cross of Jesus looms over this passage, pointing forward to Christ's oncoming crucifixion and the victory that God wins over the powers of sin and death through Christ's own death and resurrection. God's way is the way of love embodied by the ministry of John the Baptist and embodied in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This this way of love is a path of vulnerability and exposure. It is not always safe, at least not in the moment. But it is in its own way the deepest form of power. It is the way of peace. It is the way of justice. It is the way of mercy. And it will ultimately triumph. And so God comes to us in Christ, inviting us to walk this way of love. Christ bids us come and share a meal with him at his table that we might discover in the feast of the Lamb a way of mutuality and a way of compassion, a way that has already conquered the power of death. And so let us come and feast at this table and embody in our words and deeds Jesus' way of love. For it is in doing so that we will share in Christ's trampling down of the way of domination and the way of death. Amen.